Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast. This is episode 10. We are officially in double digits. Still feel like I'm trying to figure this stuff out, but at least we're 10 episodes in, and hopefully I've got a couple things figured out, um, And although I have a long way to go. Well, this episode is going to be a great episode. What we're going to talk about today is spiritual maturity or spiritual growth. I'm going to talk about my journey with God and how I grew up, and then also how that informs the type of man that I am. So you can stay tuned, listen in for that. That's going to be coming to you very, very quickly. I just want to pause for a moment, and honestly, I just want to thank my wife. Without her, I would not be doing this podcast or the work with A New Kind of Man. She has encouraged me and inspired me to do the things that uh, that really was in my heart to do. So I just want to say thanks, babe, for uh, all that you have done to help spur me on to do this work for men and also for me to become a better man. Thank you for that. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, I recommend that you do so. That way you don't miss any episodes at all. And I don't know what kind of podcast player that you are using, or maybe you're listening to this on the website at banewman.com backslash podcast. But however it is that you have found this podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with a friend. A friend who, like you, needs this information and who wants to become a better man and ultimately wants to change the world by first changing himself, changing his marriage, changing his family, changing his community, changing the nation, and then also changing the world. I believe that we can do this. We can do this together. This podcast is reaching all over the globe, and the New Kind of Man movement is reaching all over the globe with it through the social media channels so we can become better men. But we need this message to get out. So if you feel inclined to do so, please share this on your social media feeds. Share this face-to-face. Tell your friends about this content so they can get it and become better men also. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the New Kind of Man podcast, where we are growing stronger and more capable men. We believe that every man can be a good man, and we are here to help men on their journey to become new men. These men will become better at leading themselves and better at leading in their homes and workplaces. Paul the Apostle gave the command to put on the new man. On this podcast, I interview people who've become new men relationally, physically, spiritually, or intellectually. This happens through their stories of stretching, grit, and determination. We want the good, the bad, and the ugly, so we all can become better men. So let's get after it. I did not grow up religious, Christian, or anything else. I had a lot of different religious experiences when I was a kid. I went to Catholic school up until third grade. I also, after my mom and dad divorced, uh, my mom used to bring us to different churches from time to time. I had a lot of different spiritual or just religious experiences, but I didn't know who God was. I was curious, but yet not curious enough to stick with it myself. So my brother and I used to go to churches and be dropped off. And honestly, I don't remember a whole lot from those church experiences other than the fact that there was one church that I always looked to go to because they actually handed out full-size candy bars. So that was all that I looked forward to. Fast forward several years of my life, I became uh, 
in teenage years, I just became very overwhelmed and started pursuing what I thought was the good life. I had a job, I had a car, I sought out girlfriends, I disrespected them, I disrespected myself. I didn't know what to do, so I followed the crowd. And in following the crowd, the good life looked like chasing girls and drinking beer and doing different things like that. Um, and actually, I brought all of that, sadly, I brought all of that right into my marriage. My wife and I dated in high school. We were two broken kids, and we got married broken. And then once I had gone into the Navy, it only made things worse because I was gone a lot doing deployments. And then also when I would come home, it would it would just be a big celebration when I came home. So we'd never really worked through many of our issues one of the big issues, actually, that came about was brought to our attention because some friends of ours invited us to a church, and it was a church in Jacksonville, Florida. That's where I was stationed at the time at NAS Cecil Field. It no longer exists. But we were living in Jacksonville, and this couple invited my wife and I to this church, and I really saw that these people were different. They they lived a life, the ethic of their life was different than I had seen, uh, than I had lived, even from the people who I had seen and heard of, maybe who were Christians back in my childhood. These people were just different. It's like they meant it. It's like they just meant it. And like they welcomed us into that too. Well, at the time, my wife and I were expecting our first child, my son, and through just a series of experiences, I I gave my life to Jesus at that church because of the welcoming uh, group. And then also there was just one particular Sunday to where I, I knew that, that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and His name was Jesus Christ. And I'd known that, that Jesus died on the cross. I'd heard the verses. I'd seen the pictures. And because of Catholic Church and different backgrounds, I was acquainted with that, but I didn't know what it meant personally. It was after this that I actually learned how to become a father by being fathered by God. And through a lot of other circumstances, I started to grow and within that church, and then I went on a, my last deployment, and it was difficult. It was, it was a big challenge on that deployment, and honestly, sad to say, I kind of I knew that I was a Christian, but I had walked away from practicing, um, practicing my faith. And then my wife and I went to college, and God was the furthest thing from our mind. Now we're about seven years after we graduated college, and after I get out of the Navy, we're about seven years into our marriage, and we realized we we were really really broken people. And both of us were Christians, but yet we didn't have all the answers, and we. We didn't even know how many wounds that we had suffered or how many that we were actually bringing upon ourselves at that time. There was a series of circumstances that were really profound that helped to shape us, and one of those was a marriage conference at year 10. Now, at this point, married 10 years, you would think we'd have some things figured out, but because of just uh, erratic work schedules being gone on deployments, and then also college, a lot of our issues were hidden. And one of the things that was really hidden was the fact that we hadn't deepened our walk with God, that there was still this version of the good life that 
I believe that we were still trying to seek that we had in our high school years and that the version of the good life, it actually wasn't very good. It was actually very destructive. It was destructive for our marriage. It was destructive for us as individuals. And it was no place to raise kids. It was no way to raise kids. So this version version of the good life was something that had to change. And through a, a series of circumstances, again, I'm sparing you a lot of details and time, we started to realize that the, the life that Jesus had on offer was greater than pure salvation from your sins. We once thought that salvation was the end, or at least I thought that, like that was the end, now I'm saved, that's awesome. Problem is, I was saved, but yet my version of the good life hadn't changed. When I would look into the Bible at, at John 10.10, 10, and he would talk about this abundant life. And then he also talked about an enemy who came to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm thinking, my life, it looks like the enemy's plan instead of God's plan for the good life, which is the abundant life. You see, there's there's nothing wrong with salvation that's rooted in Jesus, of course, but it's what happens after that that actually changes us as people. You see, I love what Dallas Willard said in in his book, The Great Admission, he said there's absolutely nothing in what Jesus himself or his early followers taught that suggests that you can decide just to enjoy forgiveness at Jesus's expense and have nothing more to do with him. That's what I was doing. He also said, Dallas Willard, he said, if you don't become an apprentice of Jesus, you will be not be about the kingdom. You'll remain locked in defeat morally as far as your intentions are concerned. He also said that only avid discipleship to Jesus through the Spirit brings the inward transformation of thought, feeling, and character that cleanses the inside of the cup. He's borrowing from Matthew 23, 25, and makes the tree good. And he borrows that from Matthew 12, 33. And he finishes up with this. For the one who makes sure to walk as close to Jesus as possible, there comes the reliable exercise of a power that is beyond them in dealing with the problems and evils that afflict earthly existence. What Willard is getting at there is that we need to have a nearness and a closeness to God that follows salvation. We need to walk with Jesus. He would say in in another book, he says we need to be with Jesus to become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. That is the pathway to spiritual maturity, is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. There are other philosophies and religions that, that say that the, that the good life is, is a life, it's, it's within you, so just go deeper within yourself and you will find your own answers, find your own path, is common terminology. Then there's other philosophies and religions that say, no, you need to get completely outside of yourself. And that's the version of the good life. And then there's another, the Epicureans. It's like, no, pleasure is the purpose of life. That is the good life. So seek whatever pleasure that you can and fill your life with it. But that conflicts with what Jesus says is the good life. And I believe that when Jesus He's talking about the good life. He's talking about something that is, is going to be the best for us as individuals. It's going to bring God more glory, and it's going to bring the most good in the world. So what was Jesus' version of the good life? It was this, to be with Jesus, 
become like Jesus and do what Jesus did. Now, we can do these things, and that's important. And also, I, I want to add to this idea of what Jesus would call the good life. To do this, uh, if we are to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, we would be people about the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of the New Testament, this is, I believe, the central message of all of Jesus' teachings. It's the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is the good life. It is the good life. Not just heaven one day, but it's to be a person who lives on earth as a citizen of heaven today. In Matthew 4.23, it says this, that he, meaning Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. There's another passage. Uh, John the Baptist said this in Matthew 3, 2. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, there's a later verse in, in Matthew 13, 11. It says, he, and he answered them, to you it has been given to know that the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. In Matthew 13, 44, it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and buys that field. Why does he do that? Because he has found the thing that is the most valuable. That is the good life. See, the kingdom of heaven in, in this, this verse in Matthew 13, 44, it's the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure and it's hidden in the field. And once the man found it, he covered it up so, no, so, so he'd be able to go back to it. And then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field because that is the good life. You see, spiritual maturity is a pursuit of Jesus, to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And when we can do these things, then we can be people who are living out the good life, living out the kingdom of God. You see, the kingdom of God is, it is the good life because it is Christ in a believer. That's what happens when someone gives their life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells, lives within that person so that that person will love God and love people. Without the Holy Spirit's work, we simply have to do it ourselves in like white knuckle life. And then our life will be wildly inconsistent because it's only as consistent as, as what we can personally muster up. So I want to leave you in this little segment with this thought. Jesus doesn't save people to make good people better people. He came to save dead people to help them live fully alive for the kingdom of God. And this, gentlemen, is the good life. So as I began to dig into this reality that there's this abundant life, this good life, this kingdom living that was at hand, then I could trust God enough to go back into my story and to allow him to heal the wounds of my upbringing, for him to take me to the dark places in my past so that I could have those areas restored, knowing that if I had the grace of God, that I had nothing to lose and I had nothing to fear. All I had was 
was something to gain. So I could flip the flip the script of my past upbringing because I trusted God enough to to give those things to him so I could flip the script and I could live a better life. And this ultimately is the thing that has driven me to this work for men was the healing of my own masculine soul whenever I started to to come to terms with the fact that I was trying to pursue a good life that was childish, that was like in my teenage years, that if I could just manipulate people, if I could just consume some booze, if I could just get everything that I want, then that version of the good life would be fulfilling. And it was not. It was destructive. Sure, it was fun for a little while. It was. It was fun for a little while. But it took me down a long, dark road that almost cost me everything, including my marriage, including the the life that I have now. So now what I bring to bear to you men is this. The only true measure for spiritual growth is in how well you're loving God and loving people. I mean, that's what we're supposed to do. The first and second greatest commandment is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And gentlemen, let me tell you, you can't love yourself if you don't know yourself, and you won't know yourself unless you have taken that to God and asked Him to restore that brokenness. And this is part of the good life. A life that is full of purpose and meaning and wholeness to where you can be proud of the man that you're becoming and that you can model for your kids what a great man is. Model for your daughters the type of man that hopefully that they would one day pursue and then marry. Model for your sons if you have one. Model for them what it means to be a great man and what are the expectations of a great man that you can model and exhibit for your wife what great men do, how you honor her and you cherish her and you love her and you love her well. This starts when you get out of the false way of living and seeing the world. This idea that the good life is just within you, so just dig deeper within you. Or the good life is in is in some experience, like some ecstatic experience and some pleasurable experience. Like That's not the good life. That's not the life that Jesus has on offer. Or this says, no, I just need to, I need mindlessness. I need to get outside of myself. If I can just get outside of myself, then that'll be the good life. This is actually the opposite as to what the gospel says. Because the gospel, according to Jesus Christ, is this, that we were sinners in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ died on a cross to take away our sins. And then after we turn away from our sinfulness, we, ex- we, we ask Him to be our Lord, that means Master, and our Savior. And then at that point, we become this discipleship process where we are going to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. And then we will be people who can honestly say we're living the good life. Thanks for listening to the New Kind of Man podcast. You've been given some good manly encouragement, and now it's your turn. If you found today's content helpful, go tell a friend, and please leave us a review. Also, consider hitting that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now it's time for all of us to do what Theodore Roosevelt said. Create. Act. Get action. Do things. Be sane. Don't fritter away your time. 
Take a place wherever you are and be somebody. Get action.